There are people out there that actually think it's a detriment to NXT that they're trying to build to two pay-per-views at once. They're trying to build to War Games, and they're trying to build to Survivor Series, and they're happening on the same weekend. And some people see that as a problem. Some people think see that as a hurdle that NXT can't go over or will struggle to get over. Those people are what I like to call incredibly fucking dumb. Let's talk about it. Guarantee you that won't be the last comment that gets me hate on this review. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your NXT for November 13th, 2019 review. And yeah, I guess because I'm doing the podcast thing, I got to do the rundown. If you're listening to this on audio, you want to find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash Spaz Phoenix. If you are watching this on the channel, which is all but dying on its ass, I think, you can find me in all the podcast platforms. You can find me on Anchor, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, even though the link doesn't work just yet. And as of today, I have been confirmed for Apple Podcast or iTunes, depending on how you want to, uh, depending on how you want to call it. Uh, really, really cool because that was the one that uh, I was waiting to hear on. I got Spotify almost immediately. Obviously, Anchor is the people that I'm dealing with. Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Google all sort of came within a couple of days of Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcast, I guess it's being called now, were the ones that were, um, were the ones that I was waiting to hear from, and I literally heard from them today, so you go to any of those platforms, search Spaz Phoenix Podcast, and you're going to find me, and yeah, I'm learning how to do the whole podcast thing, and it's cool, I still don't know what I'm doing. Let's be real, uh, but it is a lot of fun, and as I said last week, and I'm going to keep saying for the foreseeable future, because it keeps being true, the uh, the tech support people that are at Anchor.fm are fucking amazing, so legitimately, not a paid sponsorship, but if you are going to do the podcast thing, I would suggest you go to Anchor. I heard about it from OKFabe, okay, maybe one of you will hear it from me, we'll all do the podcast thing, we'll all be one big happy Pottern family, except not that one. Yes! Let's go. Let's talk about some news before we get into this. It's it's moderately NXT. Jordan Miles has quit NXT. Good. Here's the thing. He's a goofball. One of two things is going to happen. He's going to realize that he's still under contract to WWE. He's going to come back with his tail between his legs, and they're going to job him like a motherfucker, and I'm going to come up here every week on my NXT review and laugh my ass off. Or he's going to refuse to work. He's going to stay home. He's going to break contract, and I hope Vince rakes him through the legal coals because that guy can go fuck himself you know who can't go fuck himself though cm punk cm punk showed up on the uh wwe backstage show thing that's on fs1 that we don't get up here in canada to the best of my knowledge but i did see the clip i did see renee young introduce him i did see him do his whole like out of focus thing in the camera just when you think you've got all the answers i changed the culture I, I really, I know it's not because CM Punk's not that kind of shit disturber, but I really, really wish that that was a jab at Jordan Miles. And yes, I'm going to keep saying Jordan Miles just because it seems to piss him off. So check out his psychotic rant on Twitter. Go check it. And remember that it's about a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. It's a shitty t-shirt because that's what WWE does, but it's a t-shirt and watch his psychotic. I'm not going to put it up on here because knowing the way the world is, I'll get, I'll get, you know, nailed for some sort of hate or copyright or something or other. So I'm not going to do that, but go check out the rant. It's psychotic. He's a goofball. I feel bad because I saw ACH at an indie show before he went to NXT and then in NXT, 
I thought he was relatively good. Didn't set the world on fire, you know, come in and like really, really awkwardly smile at people. Might be why you got the t-shirt that you got. But anyways, Jordan Wiles quits. Good. NXT will be better for it. CM Punk returns to the backstage thing. <sighs> A lot of mixed thoughts on this because people have been waiting for CM Punk to come back forever. You know, they're upset that it's not an in-ring return. They're upset that, you know, it was such a... It, it's, it was in a studio. It was not in front of an audience. It was so lackluster. And now if he does show up at a, at a Raw or a SmackDown or whatever that moment is gone and to that I say well that technically would have been true when he went and did his thing at Starcast then because that's when he returned to wrestling never mind the indie shows that he was wrestling in masks etc and I don't know I like CM Punk and uh, it's the whole I go back and I listen to his I mean even though the shit went down between him and Colt Cabana after the fact I go back and listen to that first Colt Cabana podcast the second one was a bit eh first one is just him saying it like, like it is, and people's problems are that, you know, oh, he's, he's an asshole, and he doesn't like everybody, he doesn't love everybody, he doesn't, you know, kiss hands and shake babies all the time, it's like, well, neither do most of us, somebody's like, well, why would you want CM Punk to come back to WWE, he's an asshole, and I'm like, yeah, well, so am I, um, there are people on this very platform, whether you're new, listening to me on Spotify or iTunes, like that, or if you've been following me here on YouTube for a while, on any given platform, you will find people that think I am a horrendous asshole, but I'm not going anywhere. And that's the thing with CM Punk as well. Um, do I think he's going to return in the ring? Only he knows that. Uh, I'm not going to be Sean's View Entertainment. I'm not going to give you all kinds of false breaking news. This isn't a news channel to begin with. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see CM Punk in any capacity. I was happy to follow him over to U, uh, UFC and see what he tried to do there. Was he successful? <sighs> I mean, did he win? No. But did he succeed in transitioning into another sport and giving it a shot? Yes. So I guess that really depends on what you call success. I'm not going to comment on somebody who I don't know personally and their success in a forum that I'm not familiar with because it's not my place to do. Uh, I like CM Punk. I like whatever CM Punk has given me when I've seen him on my TV. So if he's going to be part of this show and he's just going to sit there and be kind of a dick, he's going to be sort of the Corey Graves of the WWE backstage show. That's cool. If it leads to him coming back to the ring, which is even better, then then great. Then obviously there's a bunch, there's a million fantasy matches we could book for him. I would love to see him get a couple people together and go up against the Undisputed Era. That's just one off the top of my head. Now everybody also is saying that because Punk is back with WWE, we're going to get AJ Lee back. And there's there's a couples thing in wrestling. And and it's weird, and everybody's sort of intrinsically attached to everybody, like Charlotte Flair is on, attached to Andrade, who's untouched to Zelina Vega, who's untouched to uh, Aleister Black. There's all these weird sort of woven, like, if this happens, we think this will happen too, and whatever. I... I mean, Punk left WWE and AJ Lee was still there for a bit. And I mean, she's doing like I, I, I got I got no secrets. I follow them both on social media. She's doing all this motivational speaker type stuff. I don't agree with her on every single point that she makes, but she's still, you know, the good person trying to do good in the world. And if she decides to come back to WWE, I hope that and this is going to sound cheesy as fuck. If she decides to come back to WWE or wrestling in general, I hope that it's because she wants to, not because her hubby went back. Because that's that's weird. It's like when she was still wrestling and we all chanted for, or not 
not me personally, but people chanted for CM Punk, and it's like, why don't you cheer for the one that stayed, not the one that left? It's a very, very odd scenario, and it's a very weird way that people tend to connect things, and I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but CM Punk on the backstage show, that's awesome. Once again, I'm going to say it, Jordan Miles quit NXT, good. Awesome. Wonderful. Full Gear was last Saturday, and that's AEW, and we're here to talk about NXT, but I like the show. I, I, I have a lot of fun with uh, with AEW and AEW fans, because they're so precious about the company, and they act like it's perfect, and that, that leads to a lot of fun for me on social media, because that's what social media is supposed to be. But in all seriousness, the show was... The show was good. The The tag matches were great because that's where they excel. The women's matches were not so much because that's not where they excel. That's NXT's uh, domain, uh, as we're going to talk about tonight. The two main matches are kicking up a lot of controversy, and controversy's good. And I'm not just saying the whole, um, you know, the whole Eric Bischoff thing of, oh, if there's controversy, there'll be cash, because I don't care how much money they make at the end of the day. Uh, but controversy creates conversation. And conversation is good. Me and uh, me, Christian and Guapo used to have a hard time predicting NXT pay-per-views because we just came on and we would talk about the card and it's like, here's the match and it's going to be awesome. Here's another match that we think is going to be awesome. Here's another match I don't necessarily care about, but, you know, they're guys from NXT. It's probably going to be awesome. So all good all the time is is fine. And if, if it's the brand that you like, you guys know my team is NXT. That's I've been pretty open about that. Um... But controversy creates conversation. You got the, the Cody Rhodes and Jericho thing with the MGF heel turn, the, the big spot on the outside, which leads into this whole conversation about how Cody Rhodes is bombastic all the time and he has to he has to make himself like the martyr for wrestling in every pay-per-view match that he has. And I, I tend to agree with that because there's a there's a sense of overdrama with almost everything Cody Rhodes does. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't register with me all the time when he did his crying promo the week before and I haven't watched this week because you guys know the drill I watch NXT then I come talk to you guys uh, but his promo on the go home show with him crying or like forcing that little bit of cry and always reminding us you know who his dad is where other wrestlers definitely would not get away with that Cody Rhodes's overdrama does not always register with me but I I recognize that it registers with a lot of other people Jericho is a beast. Jericho can do whatever the fuck he wants whenever the fuck he wants. They told a great story. Um, as I said, uh, the spectacle of it, the spectacle of him doing that head spot right before we were going to get the lights out match that was going to be famous for that. Uh, I, I think that was a missed, that was a misplaced decision. That match on a different card where you're not leading into the Omega Moxley thing later on would have been the highlight of the show. It would have been the whole Sean Spears chair shot moment of that pay-per-view. Uh, the, the match, regardless of my of my criticism, the match was great. The moment at the end was great with MGF throwing in the towel and then turning on Cody because you went through two or three different like levels of emotion, levels of reaction. All of that was great. Jericho and the, the inner circle are fantastically just just heel gits. I'm gonna steal a UK phrase there, but I mean, 
Ortiz and Santana won, I, I believe, and then Jericho won, so they had a good night. Hager was, was there, and Sammy was there, and I know they're going for the tag titles tonight, which I'm going to watch later on. Uh, everybody, but it was all good. Um, my criticism of Cody and everybody tells me that I'm really, really heavy with it. It's, it's just my opinion. Um, but as I said, I can look at what he does and I know that there's an audience for that. And for those people, I'm really happy. It's, it's what I've been saying with NXT the past couple of weeks is, you know, there's a lot of wrestling. I hope you guys find something as much as I enjoy NXT. And I really am trying to make that that sort of mission statement part of what I'm doing on here because I'm trying to be more positive than some people that are out there and roddy roddy raw so Cody's not my thing but I, I'm, I'm glad that other people have that to enjoy the Omega Moxley match was wow I don't I never watched a bit of CZW in my life I just missed the existence of the proper ECW when it was in, in its heyday I have not seen a match like this I think Ever. I think WWE, to a much lesser degree, has tried to do stuff like this, but just the way everything went and the way it all came together, and I, I know I shill for what culture a lot, but if you go to uh, what culture WWE, and th there's a video there by Adam Cleary and Michael Sidgwick, and I think the title is something like In Defense of the Most Controversial Match This Year, or something along those lines, and they... I think Sidgwick wrote the article and, and Adam Cleary did the video and it's just they walk you through the story of the match and the more you listen to that they articulate it way way better than I can that's why I'm encouraging you to go watch it um, but it's like and I'm gonna I'm gonna draw another movie comparison because that's what I seem to be doing these days it's like when I when I tell people that I love the Saw series and the Saw series is grotesque and it's and it's body horror and it's gore core porn uh, as some people call it and it is absolutely terrible it's almost too terrible but I'm kind of fucked up in the head and I'm sort of desensitized to that shit there is at least in the first couple of Saw movies I know a lot of people drop off after that there is a great psychological story being told in Saw it's like not what he's doing but it's why he's doing it and why what good reasons are behind Jigsaw doing what he does and how other people take that idea and warp it and it's already bad but you want to stick up for Jigsaw because other people are doing it wrong um, there's a great story behind the gore and the excess is what I'm saying and I think if you go back and you watch that Moxley Omega match in my personal opinion uh, I think the same thing can be said for that match I think it was really really cool I'm not I'm not necessarily for it. I'm not necessarily going to come up here and say they need to do that all the time. They couldn't do that all the time. They'd be fucked. Um, but it, I, I wasn't offended by it, and I wasn't nearly as up in arms about it as some people are. So I'll probably go watch it again. If they do another match like this, they, they space out their pay-per-views pretty well. They could do another match like this in three or four months. It's all good. Full gear as a whole, really great. The women's matches... I'm going to go into more detail. Uh, if I can get my... If I can get my shit together and get on with Guapa, we may do a proper review of the show, but I'm not sure, so that's not a promise. Uh, but I'll say what I've said during the whole Wednesday Night War so far. Um, AEW own tag team wrestling. NXT owns women's wrestling. And the same was true here. The women's title match was, was good enough, but I, other than the fact that I really like Riho and I find her a likable person on my TV, there wasn't a whole lot there. The Britt Baker and, I can't think of the other girl's name now, B, B Priestley match on the kickoff surprised me and 
gave me more to bite into than the title match did. Now, that's not a dig at uh, Emi Sakura and Riho. It's just what they were doing didn't involve me that particular time. Tag team wrestling on the other side of the coin was fucking fantastic because that's AEW and that's their bread and butter uh, along with their main roster situation. I have rambled for a long ass time about news and, and, and uh, housekeeping and all that sort of thing. So go find me in podcast form, etc. Um, we start off tonight's show as I lose my voice. Sorry about that. Um, with a recap video, and they're getting really cool with these recap videos. Uh, they go over the entire OC attacking the Undisputed Era last week, how they had the three-on-three -three at the end of the night, the, what the fallout with Balor, Balor staring down Cole, Balor st staring down Styles, the the two suites and the weird crooked gun things and all of that sort of thing. The um, The building and the naming of the uh, respective war games tag teams and Angel Garza becoming the number one contender for the cruiserweight championship and uh, Tony Nese powerbombed a pair of pants that was a thing that happened and then he slapped uh, Leo Rush because he knew he was gonna face him this week and that's what we started off with and uh, if you like your uh, your flippy dippy doodahs as uh, Andy Murray would say you had a lot in this match you had Leo Rush versus Angel Garza for the cruise for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. How fucking good does that sound? Change the belt. Um, we see uh, Leo Rush's family in the crowd, which is awesome on one hand, and on the other hand, you're like, oh, what's going to happen there? Um, Garza misses a slap to start the match, and they do some quick counter-wrestling. He bails to the outside. He goes behind the rail, and then you realize what corner he's in. He's over there where Leo Rush's family is, and he takes off his pants for reasons, except for reasons, actually had a reason this week, because he took his pants off in front of Leo Rush's wife, which is good. DDT by Rush in his suicide dive, and he kicks him in the chest. Rush tosses Garza out and hits him with a wrecking ball. Suicide dive gets countered into a slam on the floor. That was pretty cool, because a suicide dive is, is, is a hard thing to grab. I mean, I know they're trained to catch people, and you're supposed to break the other guy's fall, protect the guy you're in the ring with, etc., but to take the suicide dive and turn it into a power slam on the floor was, was, not, a, was not an iteration of that spot that I've seen, or at least not in the longest time. Dragon Sleeper into a springboard inverted suplex by Garza, running knee by Garza, and a series of strikes by Rush. Head scissor pin attempt by Rush, and an abdominal stretch by Garza, surfboard stretch by Garza, and a series of strokes series of strikes, sorry, by Rush. Handspring elbow by Rush, chops by Garza, slapping a boot by Rush, and a low drop kick by Garza. Twisting unprettier by Rush, which was really, really messy looking and really, really good at the same time. Low drop kick by Garza, and I, I already said that. It's what happens when I can't read my own writing. Mudhole by Garza, Spanish fly by Rush, and a spin kick. Uh, he goes for the come up, that, that uh, bottom rope stunner thing, and then hits a slap, and then he goes for the second... Uh, come up, Garza hits him with the wing clipper, which is that really folded in weird atomic drop thing that he does. And then we have, and I will say this, this could have fallen apart because the, the wing clipper by Garza is, it's kind of like the pedigree as in it's a little bit of an awkward move to set up. So he had him in the, in position for a second wing clipper and he tried to get him up onto the rope. He tried to climb up to the ropes with him. In, in the move, and it did not work at all. It got reversed into a top row Brana by Rush. He hits the final hour, and two frog splashes, and Rush gets the win. Cool thing about this is we know we're going to see this match again, because as he grabbed, Garza didn't stick his foot under the rope, but as 
as Leo Rush was was scooping the leg to make the pin to hook the leg or whatever, he pushed Garza's foot up against the rope before he before he hooked it in. So the crowd saw it immediately, reacted immediately. The commentators saw it immediately, reacted immediately. Fantastic match, and it wasn't one of those you know Leo Rush is cheating and he's kind of covering it up. He sort of did it himself. So he decidedly won the match. Um, Two final hour frog splashes. Uh, the second one was a springboard version. Uh, got got him the win. Got him a very very decisive win over Angel Garza. Angel Garza, who had taken his pants off in front of his wife. Garza keeps doing the pants thing. It's weird. But it was a good match, and we're gonna get it again for sure. I hope. I hope. Let it simmer. Do something. One of them attacks the other one next week, and and slip this onto the War Games card. I would love to see that a whole bunch. We go out to the back and we see that Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley have been taken out of outside. Eh. <coughs> Again, I can speak, I swear. They have been taken out outside the arena and we don't know by who because the cameras didn't catch the action. Ooh. Intrigue and stuff. We see highlights from all the trouble that Baszler's been causing on Raw and SmackDown, fucking with Becky, fucking with Bailey, Bailey trying to get her comeuppance and failing miserably because it's Bailey. Uh, and then we get Zaylee versus Aaliyah, which went like two minutes and didn't do anything for anybody. Lee gets the win, and somewhere in the middle, uh, Aaliyah got a broken nose or some sort of bloody nose, whatever. They took the camera off her, focused on Lee. Lee enjoyed her win, etc. Uh, I wish there was more to say, because Aaliyah is my hometown girl, but it's just, her and Vanessa Bourne are just bodies for other people to beat up. And the funny thing is, Zaya Lee gets put in that position a lot too, so people that are, people that on the main roster would be considered jobbers, whereas and on NXT they are true enhancement talents, but when you got two enhancement talents going against each other, it's hard to get into it, even though I like Aaliyah, and Vanessa Bourne is just there, and she's tripping people, and she's being a pain in the ass, and it's fine. Um, we get a recap of the brief history between uh, Pete Dunne and Killian Dane. They're going to fight later on tonight, or so we think. Stay tuned. Balor comes out, and Balor, I mean, he's going to fight at, at TakeOver. We're going to get to that in a second, but... I, when he came out to cut, start cutting this promo tonight, I really started thinking, I like Balor, I like this new heel Balor, but he's got to have a match soon. <laughs> um, I still love the new entrance, how he's sort of inverted the lighting on his entrance, so that instead of the lights coming all the way up, they go all the way down, and he's got the spotlight. Very symbolic. Uh, people are comparing it to the Batista spotlight gimmick. It's not nearly that goofy, and you need to do... Uh, sort of have a conversation with yourself about that. But he comes out there, sarcastic as ever, he says, so this is NXT. This is NXT now. What happened? This I was proud that this was a that this was the place that I came from, and now this place is a joke. Gargano, that's the heart and soul. You know, I, I, I beat him up a couple weeks ago, and he's still hurting. I, I built this place when it was nothing, and now it's full of little boys running around complaining on social media like Matt Riddle. And then he gets jumped by Matt Riddle, and they brawl to the outside, and Ballard bails. And... Um, Riddle gets his hand on a microphone and says, keep running your mouth, bro. You can't run forever. I am here. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Not feeling that great. Trying not to cough in a way that's going to make the sound weird for the podcast people. Um, Matt Riddle in the ring, shouting at Balor, trying to get a match with Balor. Balor has already bailed. The Undisputed Era come down, surround the ring, and says, Sorry, man, you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But then Keith Lee comes out, Champa comes out, they make the save. There's a big standoff. I didn't 
take detailed notes on what was said, but Adam Cole, Keith Lee, and Roderick Strong talk a lot of shit between the three of them. Uh, Keith Lee talks some shit to Roderick Strong. Strong calls him out, says Adam Cole deserves a day off. He's sticking up for his buddy. I like that. That's good. And then we get Strong versus Lee. Lee grabs Strong off the apron and sort of beals him into the ring with one arm. And that's the uh, that's their version of, hey, I guess we're having a match now because everybody else slowly bails out. And we go to commercial break. Come back into the into the into the yeah into the match that is already happening words are hard i'm sorry uh pop-up body slam by lee who stands on the chest body blows by lee forearms by strong knockdowns by lee chops in a boot by strong body slam by lee grounded abdominal stretch he's got him almost all the way on the ground on his side and he's still got the abdominal stretch locked in abdominal stretch applied by somebody the size and strength of keith lee is fucking terrifying um Strong works over the knees, kicking him in the kneecap, trying to chop block him, etc. Commentary does a really, really good job of talking about how, you know, he's the bigger, he's the stronger guy. This is a great way to break him down. You know, Strong's being smart because he's not actually strong, and there's a metaphor in there. A drop kick and they brawl out to the outside. Suicide drop, suicide drop kick by Strong off the apron through the second and bottom rope. Uh, strong eats the guardrail on the outside. Chop block by Strong. Rolling lariats by Lee. Again, terrifying. That's sort of like being mauled by a bear. Superplex by Strong. Both trade forearms on the outside. There's a boot. There's an insiguri. There's more forearms by Strong. But Champa and the Undisputed Era all brawl down the... Uh, down the railway, there's Champa, there's Cole, there's Fish, there's O'Reilly. Riddle jumps in, but Riddle gets hit by a sling blade from Balor, who comes back. It's all good, but in the midst of all the commotion, there's a high knee, an angle slam, and a senton by Strong, who does not get the win whatsoever. Jackhammer by Lee. Lee gets the win. <coughs> oh, my God. Four on three ball, four on three brawl, and Dijak makes the save. Feast your eyes on Adam Cole ends the segment, and you think, you think, that there it's all set. It's going to be Champa, Riddle, Lee, and Dijak versus the Undisputed Era. There's your War Games teams, and it's all good to go. So we think. Moving on, the uh, I cannot read my writing at all. I cannot read my writing at all. Oh, the horsewomen are taking it out on the outside because my writing is terrible. I wrote this less than 20 minutes before I sat down in front of this camera, in front of this recorder to do this for you. And in the space of 20 minutes, I can't read my own writing. That is just the honest truth of it. The horsewomen are taken out on the outside. So any, any, uh, Illusions that the taking out earlier of Ripley and company were by the other team. The other team's being taken out too. The suspension builds, the intrigue builds, and we don't know what the fuck's going on. Sw uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott taking on Bronson Reed was really, really fun. Uh, Beth Phoenix on commentary mentions that she was talking to Reed about all the takeovers that have been happening on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and randomly mentions that uh, that Bronson Reed wants to face Samoa Joe. Okay. Reed versus the arm, swerve reverses and tackle by Reed. Wrist lock by swerve and a missile dropkick. Bulldozer by Reed. Headbutts by Reed. Chops by swerve. A headlock by Reed. Reed sits on the back and he just sort of sits there with a smile on his face and it's funny. He stands up and splashes down. Suplexes him right out of the ring. Back elbows by swerve. A sidekick and an elbow to the back and a rolling 
Rolling Thunder style flatliner by Swerve was really, really nice, fluid shit. Lariat by Reed, Sinton by Reed, Second Rope DDT by Swerve, Pop-Up Sit-Out, Pop-Up Sit-Out Spinebuster by Reed, I can speak, I swear, followed by an inverted pile driver, pile driver over the back. Swerve works on the arm, on the top rope, try transitions it into a triangle choke chops by reed but the house call by swerve which is this really weird sideways drop kick to the back of the head gets the win for swerve they have a nice intense but respectful handshake after the match i really like bronson reed but let me talk to you about isaiah swerve scott for a second after the cruiserweight championship match we saw earlier tonight i really want to see swerve versus leo rush i really do I don't know if Swerve makes the cut for the Cruiserweight division. Apparently, he's been on 205 Live, people have told me. And I think they said it on commentary tonight as well. But I really just think that, even if it's not for the title, I think that would be a really, really good match. Uh, we get the announcement from the, uh, what's her name, Sarah Shriver or whatever, on that little kiosk desk thing that uh, sort of hovers over the NXT crowd. And uh, she announces that, you know, there's there's no news yet on who's been taking out all these women, you know, women on both teams, uh, these people that have been taking out in the parking lots, on the walkways, etc. But we do have news about TakeOver, and the news at TakeOver is that Matt Riddle is going to take on Finn Balor at TakeOver. So we are going to get Finn Balor in an NXT match, in an NXT ring, at an NXT TakeOver, which is fine. Um, following the news, apparently, Johnny Gargano has a legitimate... Uh, some sort of injury to his head. I don't know whether it's a concussion or a neck inj injury or whatever, so I'm thinking that this is the replacement for that, but he's been now removed from Ciampa's uh, War Games team. And because of that, now we have once again to find the fourth member of that team. And then we go to the much-anticipated Pete Dunne versus Killian Dane, which doesn't happen because Priest, Damian Priest, attacks Killian Dane on the rampway. Priest and Dunne brawl, Dane joins the brawl. Dane steps on the outside thanks to Priest, and then Priest gets a couple cheap shots in on Dunne as the referees are trying to get him out of the ring. And then Priest power bombs. This is this this is a bizarre. I laughed way too much when I saw this because there's a bunch of guards out there on the outside. There's a bunch of guards on the outside of the ring. They're trying to get Dunn and Dane out of there. And there's one guard in the ring trying to deal with Damian Priest. Damian Priest picks up the guard, Razor's Edge style, power bombs him out of the ring onto Dunn, Dane, and the rest of the security guards. It was a really nice spot. I'm sure the guy's an indie guy or whatever. But it was just a really, really nice spot. And I really, I know people don't like this this trifecta of guys. I really want to see this triple threat on the pay-per-view card. Don't relegate this to the uh, to the live episode of NXT that gets taped before the NXT takeover. I really don't think that does it much good. Cole, Dijak, ladder match next week. Much like the Mia Yim, Io Shirai ladder match that we're going to get tonight. It is for the War Games advantage. So who gets the 2-on-3 advantage? Who gets the 3-on-2 advantage? Who gets the 4-on-3 advantage? Etc, etc, etc. Cole, Dijak, I don't know how good a match that's going to be. As I say, slowly starting to warm up to Dijak, but he's no Adam Cole, is he? Mia Yim, Io Shirai, ladder match for the Women's War Games advantage at War Games. Um, they trade some punches in the early going, low drop kick and a suicide dive by Shirai. Shirai eats the apron. Uh, Yim attempts to bring the first ladder into the ring. They face plant on the ladder by Yim. Uh, Shirai tosses Yim back out of the ring. They have a tug of war over the ladder. There's a hangman by Yim that sort of occurs out of that tug of war. Yim eats the ladder face first, slams Shirai's hands in the ladder, 
they go on commentary, they talk about how it's a really, really good idea because if you don't have hands, you can't climb, you can't grip the rungs, etc. Yim boots Shirai out of the ring. Shirai face plants the uh, Yim on the floor. Chops to the back by Yim, and they're sort of like chops and nails down the back at the same time. It's, it's, it's weird because she's sort of flailing, and you could see it as sort of both. You can see them as being chops, you can see them as being open hand palm strikes, you can see it as being, you know, nails down the back, depending on how they want to tell that story. Dropkick by Yim, they trade some elbows from their knees to show that they're already a bit exhausted. Uppercut by Shirai, head scissor, head scissor lock in the ropes, followed by a 619. Flapjack by Shirai, belly to belly suplex on the ladder by Yim, and this was a nasty spot because Shirai didn't hit the ladder. She sort of clipped the edge of the ladder and fell into this sort of dead space between the ladder and the turnbuckles. It could have been really bad. Thankfully, it wasn't because the match kept going. Um... Shirai sandwiches Yim in the ladder. They do the typical, like, lift the ladder and just keep dropping it down a bunch of times. Then pulls her out and stomps on her midsection a bit. Eat defeat by Yim and then a drop kick by Shirai into the ladder. And now, when I mean into the ladder, it's because Mia Yim has the ladder up. She's got it in that, in that cliche sort of helicopter position. She eats it to the face and she gets a lot of medical attention. To the point where I thought they had botched and I thought she fucked herself up a little bit, I'm not going to lie, because they took the cameras all off her, they had the cameras totally on Shirai, she's going to climb the ladder, she's going to get the victory, and it, isn't it very sad because Yim's on the ground and can't even defend herself. But Shirai suplex, Yim gets up and tries to climb the ladder, Shirai suplexes her off, she sort of gut-wrenches her from behind and drops her, double knees and a trip by Yim, Dakota Kai comes out to tend to Mia Yim on the outside, and for a split second, because Baszler's team doesn't have a fourth person, I thought, Dakota Kai, I mean, Dakota Kai is Bailey done properly, she could do a Bailey heel turn properly, if Dakota Kai had turned on Mia Yim here, it would be almost too perfect, but it wasn't. Shirai moonsaults onto both Yim and Kai. Kai eats part of the moonsault just for being a good person and trying to help out one of the other good people. Kai pulls Shirai off in sort of a mid-air powerbomb type thing. Kai cheers on Mia Yim as she's going up the rampway, but down the rampway, and I didn't recognize her at first because I haven't watched NXT UK in a long time, plus she was in street clothes other than her belt, was none other than the NXT United Kingdom Women's Champion Kaylee fucking Ray, who tosses Yim from the ladder, through the ladder that's on the outside, braced between the apron and the and the guardrail. She's done. Io Shirai climbs the ring, cl sorry, cl climbs the ring, climbs the ladder, gets the briefcase, and the speculation abounds, the speculation abounds, Io Shirai posing on the ladder, Kaylee Ray posing sort of next to the ladder, very proud of herself, holding up her NXT United Kingdom Championship, uh, Belair randomly appears on the other side of the ladder, so it becomes a bit more obvious, and Baszler, and this is one of these things that NXT does a lot, Baszler is the fourth member of that team, but Baszler just sort of points and waves, and just sort of cheers on, and you know, pumps her fist from the railway, so not only do we have our two women's teams now, because Baszler's team is now her, Belair, Shirai, and Kaylee fucking Ray, which is awesome, but she also, for lingering on the stage too long, gets jumped by Bailey. Bailey hits that weird sort of face first DDT thing she's been doing onto her own title, and that's how we go off the show. 
I don't know what that thing by Bailey is called. I mean, I think Bailey had to get a a, a one-up on Baszler at some point. It wasn't going to happen when she was face-to-face -face with Baszler and Becky, because their stars are, are higher than hers on the pecking order. But I just think, just when Baszler thinks she's got it all figured out. She's got the advantage in war games. She's got the fourth member of her team that nobody expected, who's Kaylee Ray, who's incredible. And again, I say, I haven't watched NXT UK in a while, but even still, I know that Kaylee Ray is a star that's existing just under the radar and way, way underappreciated because she was brought in in the era of Storm and, and Ripley. So she's an amazing addition to to uh to that team to that card uh now that she's on that team she's going to be on that card at takeover war games it's very interesting to see um when the main roster was over in the uk so they kind of had no choice but to involve the nxt uk talent that they brought somebody into nxt proper to add into a major storyline who is a champ now they've done that with walter as well don't don't get me wrong but Imperium as a unit just sort of arrive and fuck up shit and leave. Kaylee Ray was really, really not something I would have expected. I, I might, I, I quicklier, quicklier because words make sense. I would have just as easily assumed you get a a heel turned Tony Storm. Now I don't want to necessarily see that, but they brought they brought Ripley over and they made her from a heel into a tweener. If you took Tony Storm and made her from a face into a heel and added her onto that Basil team, it would have been fucking fantastic. Kaylee Ray was a nice pull. This was a nice move. It was a nice way with uh, with NXT getting some exposure at the main roster pay-per-view that weekend. If we can give the NXT UK people some exposure on the NXT pay-per-view that weekend, that helps everybody all the way down the line. There's a trickle-down effect of, you know, rubbing the shoulders with the next roster up, and I think it's very, very cool, but I just... I love that image. I love that image of I've I've got my team for war games. We just won the advantage with this last little surprise. We're all set to go. And Bailey's like, yeah, but remember you got something else to do the next night. Thwack. And he hits her in the face with the belt, etc. This was really cool. This was um only disappointing thing, and I and I and I have to be fair. I mean I love NXT, but I have to be fair. Uh the one thing they did not address whatsoever, and it would be kind of hard for them to do so, was who's gonna be on Team NXT in that five-on-five-on-five five match at Survivor Series. They do need to assert that, but, I mean, they can do that in one of their invasions when Rollins is sitting in, uh, sitting in the ring next Monday doing his another rah-rah speech, because that's what he does now. You can have somebody like a Tommaso Ciampa walk down with an entirely different collection of people and be like, yeah, well, by the way, this is my team. Go fuck yourself. And, oh, where's SmackDown? They're not even here? Cool. Uh, really, 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 really good. I, I hate to get repetitive and I hate to pick on AEW too much, but if you want yet another example of why the women's division on NXT is, is kicking ass over the women's division anywhere else, just check out this show. Even the nothing match with, with, uh, Zia Lee and Aaliyah was was good you had the ladder match between shirai and yim you got multiple stories building with baszler you had the introduction uh, introduction of kaylee ray you've got <coughs> other stories with ripley and and other people being taken out on the outside but they were still even though they were shown in basically an unconscious or vulnerable state you still saw them on your television tonight everybody that mattered i mean Bel Air was just out there to pose at the end of the night, at, you know, take, to take the team photo, so to speak. But even she was seen on the show. 
this was really good. Dakota Kai had her stuff in there, even though she's not involved in the pay-per-view, she's still involved in the story. They they are fantastic with this. They are really, really fantastic with booking their women's division. Now, if they could spread this out a little bit um, and use the same sort of mentality with their tag teams, same sort of mentality, realistically speaking, with their men's singles stories as well, uh, it would be a lot of fun. Balor is still one of the most interesting people in wrestling right now. Where does his allegiance lie? Is it with the OC on the main roster? Is it is he all for himself? Is he going to back the Undisputed Era? Is he going to be part of Team NXT? Is he going to fuck over Team NXT? Finn Balor is, is the linchpin of a lot of, of what's going on in NXT, except the women's division, who exist quite fine on their own. Thank you very much. I'm really losing my voice and I sound like crap. People who are picking me up on the audio portion of this on, like I say, on Spotify, iTunes, etc. Uh, if this doesn't sound as great as it should, I do apologize. I did want to come up and talk to you guys at least a little bit, even though I feel a bit like crap. That's, uh, that's NXT this week. We're about a week and a half out from Survivor Series weekend, which is... Probably the most excited I've been for Survivor Series weekend in quite a significant amount of time. Anyways, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I'm tagging out. And fuck Jordan Miles. Bye. Sunshine, you're a freak like me. Don't